Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Glad to be with you guys here for another episode as we continue our journey through the book of Acts. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I pray that since you started this journey with me, that you've not only grown in your appreciation for God's word, but that you've grown more love with Jesus Christ. And that's the whole mission. You and I know, my friends, that you cannot be strong in your faith if you're not standing strong in the word of God. God has given us his word from Genesis to Revelation. And so it's a joy every week to come before you guys to open up God's word. And right now, uh, looking at the life of Paul the Apostle and seeing not just the amazing work that God did through this man of God. And it's almost like as you journey with him and Luke and his colleagues that you're there. And I hope that it becomes that intimate, that you take it that personal. But as we explore the book of Acts, we also see Paul go through various trials, that he's persecuted, that he's placed in situations that are beyond his ability as a mighty man of God to overcome on his own. And so my friends, it's always a reminder, again, no matter where you're at in life, in your relationships, maybe in marriage, uh, with a family member, with a friend, to know that God is there right by your side. He tells us in his word. As a matter of fact, it comes specifically from Paul in the book of Ephesians, which by the way, I can't wait to get into down the road. But after we're done with the book of Acts, we're going to jump to the book of James. And then we're going to again, chronologically go through the order of which Paul wrote his epistles. So right now as we're exploring his life and ministry, we're kind of touching on this is a point when he wrote, you know, the, the certain books. We'll start with James because that was the first letter that was written to the early church, and then we'll get into Galatians, etc. But when you do look at Ephesians, and you see in verse 10 of chapter 6, Paul tells us that we are to be strong in the mighty power of God, that that's where we get our strength, the source of the power that you and I have as a Christian. It comes from the Lord. So take comfort in that, my friends, that you and I are courageous because the power of God lives within us as a child of God. So again, if you've missed any previous podcasts, if you have not checked things out recently, or you just fell upon this podcast for the first time, may I say a welcome to you, my friend. I'm so glad that you are searching on the internet, whether it be through YouTube, watching this right now, or listening on some type of platform where you get podcasts or SoundCloud, whatever the case may be. We are now on Amazon, by the way. So just letting you guys know, uh, giving you a heads up. I apologize, I meant to mention that a few weeks back, but we are now on Amazon. So if you have Amazon Music, you click on the section on podcasts, uh, search for Stand Strong in the Word Podcast, search for me, Jason Jimenez. Remember, that's with a J, not an H, and the podcast will come up and you can use that as well. So these are great opportunities that we have to continue to get grounded in God's word 
And so if you've missed out on some things, or again, as I mentioned, you're, 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 you're new to this, go to standstrongministries.org. You can click on podcasts. All the archives are there. All my study notes are there. We're on YouTube. So you can be searching Stand Strong in the Word podcast, put in my name, Jason Jimenez, and these things will come up. We're starting with the book of Acts. So feel free to repost these things, share them. If you have a study group and you guys want to go through the book of Acts, man, take the opportunity. We, we Again, you can use the audio, you can use the video, you can use the combination of my study notes, and you could do a verse-by-verse study in the book of Acts. So this is not just for your personal enrichment, but we pray that you will develop the ability as you learn here on this platform that you can start making disciples of other people. So at this point in time, my friends, we are now in Acts chapter 20. The title is The Heart of a True Pastor. They say, well, Jay, I'm not a pastor. So maybe this is not going to be relevant to me. No, 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 no. Old horses. First off, we're all ministers of the gospel. Amen. So God has called you specifically to minister to people in a way that I can't, let's say. And I minister in a way that you can't, let's say. But together, we are to shepherd people, whether it be in our marriage. We are to shepherd shepherd our spouse with our children, the people in our community. But yes, there are people, in this case, as we see with Paul, he's going to be engaging elders and pastors from Ephesus. He is charging them. He is pleading with them how they are to care for the sheep. And so in in this regard, I want you, as we go through this passage, to see what a pastor is. Because I do pray that um, you are involved in a church and that you actually have a good pastor, someone who actually is ministering to your soul. So you, you through this passage, you're going to get a better understanding of what a pastor is called to do. What is a true, genuine shepherd of God, a shepherd of the flock, but also helping you, you know, fine-tune errors of your own life that you can shepherd, again, the people around you. So up to this point, Paul, he's well into his third missionary journey, okay? So remember, that started in chapter 18, beginning in verse 23, all the way to chapter 21, verse 17. So we'll be ending his third missionary journey on next week's episode, Lord Willing. And this is where he'll write 2 Corinthians, and he'll also write um, the book of Romans. And what's going to happen is that Paul, he's going to remain in Ephesus for roughly, uh, you know, from 80, 52 to 55. So this is going to be one of the longest stints that Paul is going to have in one location. So he's going to go deep with these people. And this is one of the reasons why I go back to the uh, epistle, Ephesians, the royal epistle, because knowing the history of Paul, and seeing the time that he spent here in the development and the theology, it is amazing. So I can't wait to dive into that with you. So this is where we're at now. So this is rough, roughly 8052 to 55. He's wrapping up the third missionary journey. And notice as we pick things up here in chapter 20, verses one through six, he now arrives into Greece, Paul. And it says here, after the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, that means instruction and warning and correction, he came to Greece. Now remember, Greece is Corinth and Achaia, which is Southern Greece. And there he spent three months. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews, As he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. 
Sopater, the Berean son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristotarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy of Lystra, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. Verse 7, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer, and being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking in him, him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. You think, man, this is a little strange kind of a passage, especially with this kiss. So let's break things down. As I mentioned before, Paul in Macedonia writes 2 Corinthians after hearing, remember, that the Christians in Corinth had repented and they were actually seeking for reconciliation within the churches. And so it was awesome because you know, they respond to his first letter. He didn't know how they, how the the Corinthians were going to respond, right, to his open rebuke. And the awesome thing is that Titus, he was the one that shared this wonderful news to Paul. He heard about it before Paul did, and he's breaking the news to him. You see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, and also chapter 7, 5 through 13, and 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1, and also chapter 9, verse 4. So you can look up those verses on your own. And so it says when he had gone through uh, those regions and had given them much encouragement, notice one of the things that Paul did as an apostle was he instructed people. And when you instruct people, again, going back before we even see this plea that he gives to the elders of Ephesus, notice that a true pastor, which Paul's demonstrating, is one who instructs people, but you also warn people and you're correcting. It's a lot like what a parent is called to do to a child. And so when he comes to Corinth and Achaia in the southern part of the Greece, remember at this point in time, he now writes the book of Romans in AD 56. And he's, he's anticipating the ministry that's going to await him to the Roman people. And you see that when he writes about it in Romans chapter 15, 23 through 29. Now, Phoebe will be the one to deliver the letter to the Romans. And so when it says here that he returned through Macedonia, Paul, what he does, and this is important a lot of times, again, because we're, we're talking about the traveling Paul, right? The traveling missionary apostle. And so Luke gives great detail. And he, here he's talking about how Paul, he avoids an ambush at Sincrea port, and then he heads back through Macedonia. So sometimes there's a lot of strategy that goes into the traveling that Paul did extensively. And in this case, he has people on the ground who are communicating with him what ports to go into. They're looking for you. Because remember, his life has been on the line for quite some time. Now, the New King James Version Chronological Study Bible says, quote, after leaving Ephesus, Paul sailed across to Macedonia, possibly in the winter of AD 55-56. 
and later went to Greece. Most of the three-month stay in Greece, according to Acts 20, verse 3, was probably spent in Corinth after Gaius, the city's treasurer. From Gaius's large house, Paul wrote the letter to the Romans, according to Romans 16, verse 23. This was Paul's third and final visit to Corinth, after which he returned to Macedonia and sailed from Philippi to Troas en route to Jerusalem, end quote. So again, a great breakdown of what is taking place in Paul's life right now, what he's writing, who is he interacting with, how long he stayed, why he went this route as opposed to that route. So that helps make sense. And then Luke records for us in verses four, all the way through verse six, about these companions that he had. Now, these companions of Paul, these were men who represented the churches that he started back in Galatia and Asia, parts of Asia, and Macedonia. So collectively, what's so cool is now as the tentacles, if you will, are spreading and people are establishing the work of God through the ministry of Paul, but Paul's no longer there. And now you have these pastors, you have these overseers, they're ministering the gospel to these people. They're developing creeds. They're reading the Jewish scriptures and seeing the fulfillment of Christ in them and understanding what communion is and how they ought to be living. They're also financially supporting the work that they're doing and also giving to the churches in Jerusalem. And you see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. Now, Paul, or excuse me, Luke mentions here, he says, we sailed away from Philippi. So it seems that Luke here remains with Paul until the end of the book in chapter 21, verses 1 through 17, because later you also see him be mentioned in Acts chapter 27, all the way to chapter 28, verse 16. Now, notice what he does, and this is very important, and this is, again, a true Jew. As you go through the year, you are mentioning Jewish feasts. And he mentions the unleavened bread, which commences on the 14th of Nisan on Passover, according to Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And remember, it's important to know this, that unleavened bread, remember, it lasts a whole week. So Paul and his companions, they continue to observe the Jewish feasts. Again, not for righteousness sake, but out of respect to their customs and their traditions. So the date that we're able to pinpoint this time of Luke and Paul's travel, according to this feast, is the spring, which would be either March or April timeframe of AD 57. Now, remember, I told you before when Paul had stayed in Ephesus, we're roughly uh, chronologizing that from AD 52 to 55. So this is well after that time that he spent cultivating those relationships. And then we're told on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day, but he prolonged his speech until midnight. Now, the early church, remember, they began meeting on Sunday. And the reason being is very simple. It represents Christ's resurrection. You see this in Luke chapter 24, verse 1, and John chapter 20 with the accounts that they gave. Now, this mentioning that Luke throws in here that Paul had prolonged his speech it's important to note that many of the people probably had to work. Sometimes we forget that. We just think that they're preaching the gospel and people just showed up and they didn't, you know, have any livelihood going on. No, they had a busy life just like you and I have a busy life today. And so Paul was hoping maybe to engage these people, but then he decided to say, hey, let's let's wait until people get out of work. They They work long hours. And so it makes sense here that Paul moved back his teaching probably in some estimates, as I read some commentaries, to midnight. 
again, to accommodate everybody's work schedule. And that way he got, he was able to get a better crowd. Now it tells us the conditions of this, the, the setting with these, a lot of lamps, it's hot. This young guy, Eutychicus, he's sitting in the window, he's tired, people are exhausted. So well into the night in this hot, stuffy room, it results in this guy, Eutychicus, falling into a deep sleep. Hopefully you guys are not falling into deep sleep right now listening to me. But he plummets to his death as a result of it. Now, I've been teaching the Word of God for 20 plus years, and I know people have fallen asleep uh, plenty of times. But uh, no one's ever fell out of a window and died as a result of my boring teaching. Now, this miraculous account, though, that Luke puts in, in context here shows Paul raising Eutychicus from the dead. And I believe it's also reflective, again, of Peter, who raised Tabitha from the dead in Acts 9, verse 40. And also, when you go back to 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 through 24, where the prophet Elijah brings back the widow's son to life. Now, some commentaries, when they look at the Greek, they don't think that Eutychicus was dead, but he was revived. I believe he was dead, and God used Paul to raise him back to life. And of course, after healing the young man, Paul, we're told here in verse 12, you know, he stays with these people, he fellowships with them, and it brings them great comfort till daybreak. So it just goes to show you how fond they were with Paul and how Paul was fond of them. So now let's go to... The second portion of our teaching today in Acts chapter 20, we'll look at verses 13 through 38, where Paul pleads with the elders of Ephesus. So it says here, but going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Osis, which is 20 miles southeast of Troas, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Osis, that's faced south towards the island of Lesbos, we took him on board and went to Midlan. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite uh, Chios. The next day we touched at Samos, and the day after that we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hasting to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus, 30 miles from Ephesus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Verse 18. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I loved, or excuse me, how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable in teaching in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained. That means to bind, to force, to be compelled to a deep sense of duty by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 25, And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day 
that I am innocent of the blood of the Lord, of, of all, excuse me. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention. That means continue to, to be in a state of readiness, to learn of danger. So be careful to, to, to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Lord, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care, that means to shepherd, to guide for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce or savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. Verse 32, And now I commend you to God and to the world, the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or peril. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So that is a, just a powerful passage of seeing the reunion that Paul has with the people he had spent so many years with a few years back. And he's traveling a lot. So he's very tired. But remember, he's en route to go to Jerusalem. And we're told here in verse 16, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. So remember, they were just past unleavened bread for a whole week. Then you have Pentecost. He wants to get there by Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover. So you go from unleavened bread to Passover to then here with Pentecost. So Paul took the direct route on the Roman coastal road to avoid certain bad weather and Cape Lictum. So again, shows you the strategy of the people that he is on board with. And they are hastening to get him there because he wants to arrive by the time of Pentecost in Jerusalem. Now he's 30 miles from Ephesus when they, uh, from Miletus, he sends to Ephesus these elders. And he takes advantage of, of the few days, obviously, that he's going to have here. Because remember, when they come to port, sometimes they have to unload certain cargo and people, and then they have to load other cargo. So when they're at Miletus, he calls for the elders to meet him. Now, this is the only recorded message in Acts given to believers, by the way. So this is what's also so significant about this passage. Really, when you go back to Acts chapter 13, verses 18 through 35, but here you have a sermonette, if you will. You have an exhortation. You get insight from Paul, the big daddy, if you will, okay, the patriarch, to his the younger pastors that he's poured into. And notice, as I read through that, how he exhorts them. So again, this section of Paul's speech, it, it's, it's really cool. And by the way, again, if you love ministry and if you're called uh, to ministry, again, in a full-time capacity or you're serving your church, I always refer to this passage to teach people about leadership, about what a true shepherd is, hence the title of this podcast right now, this episode. 
But I also refer people to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, because here you see the heart of Paul. And so it's so neat that you look at Acts chapter 20, and then you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and they almost are like on the same track together. And what Paul's going to do is he's going to defend his witness of the gospel that he had preached to all the people. Go back to Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 10. Of course, the famous Romans 10, 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 and following all the way to chapter 6, you see the gospel that he laid out. And notice he says, I've come to you guys and I've served you. I've been among you. I've known you guys. You've known me. I have served the Lord with what? With humility. He oftentimes, that's what Paul does. He oftentimes refers himself as a servant. That's where we get the word deacon from. And it's uh, diaconus of the Lord. He refers to himself as a servant of Christ. So a true pastor, a true shepherd, you guys, is one of humility. We cannot be overlooking or dismissing a pastor who's prideful. Look at James chapter 3 and see the, the proud heart. And that is actually one of the things that God despises is a proud heart, is a haughty, a haughtiness with people. And we know with pride comes a fall. So don't be dismissing that. Don't be ignoring that. Recognize it. Paul says, a servant of the Lord is one who lives by humility. And notice he uses this very uh, personal language about tears and trials because he carried a great burden and he's demonstrating the great love that he had for people as he served people. And he suffered many things as he spread the gospel. Again, it's for the Lord's sake, not for his own. And that's another insight that we have about a true pastor you're not doing it to benefit yourself. You're doing it because it's a calling of God and it will lead to a lot of suffering and trials. But again, it's not about you. It's about the Lord and God will see you through it. And Paul, now when he says to the, the people of Ephesus, he says, you know, I, I came with you guys and I taught with you guys publicly. Because remember, if you go back in scripture, remember Paul and the Ephesian elders, they grew close when he was there with them in the hall of Tyrannus. Remember that? They kicked him out of the synagogue, so they found a place where he was able to teach. And he stayed there for three years. To, and he ministered to Jews and Greeks. The Holy Spirit used Paul during this time to reach Jews and Greeks with the gospel. You see that in Romans chapter 1, 15 through 16. And he expanded the gospel during this time in the Roman world. He was developing evangelists. These were disciples of Christ. And now you see a few years later, many of them are now elders. They're people that God has raised up because of the seeds that were planted by Paul a few years prior. And when he talks about him going to Jerusalem, he was telling them, you guys, listen, God has called me to do something and I'm deeply compelled to do it. That's another sign of a true pastor. They are deeply compelled to do the work that God has called them to do. They're sensitive to the Holy Spirit's direction. And that certainly is the case with Paul. He lived a life of obedience to the point we know in the end of death. And again, you can explore 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12 and Philippians chapter 1, 19 through 26, where Paul in his letters talks about the afflictions that he went through, that he endured for you and me even. I mean, obviously he's talking to these people in his time, but he knew that the gospel was going to continue to expand in such a way that it was going to be a great, great thing of God in years to come. Now, remember, many in the church were strongly urging Paul not to go. If you go, um, we're going to see that in Acts chapter 20, uh, next week's podcast in verse 4 and 12, 
uh, Agabus, the prophet, we're going to see, he's going to reveal the truth of what Paul's telling the, the, the elders right now. Paul already felt it in his heart. So that was already confirmation uh, that something bad was going to happen. And Agabus just confirms it. And of course, then people hearing this, they're like, you can't go. But Paul says, listen, I have to. This is what the Lord has called me to do. So that shows you a true pastor goes where the ultimate true shepherd, the good shepherd of the flock, right, has called him to go. Now, Paul's greatest desire, remember, was to further the kingdom of God. He tells us in verse 24, not to advance his own life, not to advance his own agenda. Paul will later go on to write to Timothy at the very end of his last letter in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6 through 8. He says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. So he knew that he had kept the faith. He knew that a crown of righteousness was laid before him. He knew that he would receive his award someday. And that kept Paul in the race. In verses 25 and 27, Paul conveys that his future ministry will be concentrated on the Western part of the Roman Empire. So there's still work to be done. There's still areas of the world and the Roman Empire that is specifically that Paul had yet to get to that he knew he would in Romans chapter 15, verses 23 through 29. And that he would eventually though, as a result of the work that he did for the Lord, he will lose his life. So in a way, like Jesus, Paul knew that at some point his life would be over. Peter was the same way, remember, because Jesus prophesied that over Peter, that he'd be crucified upside down for his namesake. So these men lived, you guys, knowing at some point they will be arrested, they will be bound, and they will be killed. So that goes to show you guys a true shepherd is one who's willing to risk it all, not for their own glory, but for the glory of God. In verse 26 here, when he's talking about, therefore I testify this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, Paul uses, notice, a watchman analogy now when he's talking about how he is not shrinking from the word that God has called him to do, but he's now going to be talking about being someone who is a watchman. And this is actually language that's taken from Ezekiel chapter 33 that stresses his true motive in teaching and revealing God's truth about salvation, redemption, sanctification, and glorification to come. Paul was warned to not just proclaim the gospel, but to warn people from the danger of people that will oppose the gospel. So that's why the famous passage here in verse 28, where he says, pay close attention. He says, you guys have to be ready. You have to be diligent. You have to be alert. There are people, ravenous wolves, savage wolves, who are going to kill people, blind people, deceive people. So you have to shepherd, you have to guide them. So in this, in this section right here, you guys, this is where it really boils down to. In verses 28 through 31, where Paul is, he's warning of coming persecution and apostasy in the church. So he's like, look, I have my own worries that I'm going to be going through in life, as well as being an apostle to you guys. But you guys are going back to your city that I love, that I spent a lot of time developing, but you guys are the shepherds now. You guys have to pay close attention. It is vital for spiritual leaders to take a self-examination from time to time. What are your true intentions? Are you honoring the Lord? Are you truly serving people? You can get in a rut. People can just get into the routine of ministry and they neglect them caring for the church of God, Paul says here. This is a metaphor of a shepherd uh, that contrasts the difference between authentic leaders and false ones. 
That's Jesus in John chapter 10, a hireling versus one who gives complete devotion to the sheep because he loves the sheep. The bottom line is pastors, spiritual leaders, my friends, are to reflect Jesus, who is the true shepherd, Psalm 23, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. And notice Paul tells him it's the Holy Spirit who's made you overseers. At the end of the day, it's not me as the apostle. You're not called by man. You're called directly by the Holy Spirit who gives you the gifts that you're called to have, that he has obtained with his own blood. So remember, and this is something that, man, it is so difficult sometimes to tell people in ministry today, this is not your church. You did not build this. Yes, you can have, you, you, you had a vision. You sat at Panera Bread and you talked to some uh, families and they said they're going to support you. And you guys put out a mission statement. And you developed bylaws and you submitted your paperwork. And then you found a location, you know, that was, you know, cheap on rent. And you started there. I get that. We've all had those journeys, especially people that are running a church, started a church. They're the founder, president of organization, whatever the case may be. Yes, there's a journey there, just like we're seeing Paul in this ministry. But at the end of the day, you work for God. He's the ultimate boss. It's Christ who died and rose again for people. You and I can't save people. Christ purchased us through his death and resurrection. And we can never forget that. So Paul, is, he's warning these elders of the growing threat of false teaching about people preying upon the flock of God. The same thing that Jesus had warned in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 and chapter 10, verse 16 of Matthew. We have to warn people of the false doctrine, my friends. Paul used himself as a standard to the church and says, listen, follow my example, follow my witness. There is order in the church. There needs to be discernment in the church and there needs to be sound doctrine that's preached in the church. That is your guy's responsibility. And then he closes here in verse 32 that he commended them to God and to the word of grace and to build them up. So Paul closes his speech to the elders by exhorting them to remain faithful to God, to his grace, to his truth. You know, there's no, there's nothing that has happened to Paul that God didn't know about. Every single incident that Paul faced, God was with him. And he says here in the closing, I did not covet anything wrongly. I didn't take advantage of anybody. I did not minister in a way for financial gain. I did not take advantage of any one of you guys. And man, my friends, think about that today. Your church perhaps may not be about prosperity doctrine and teaching that kind of nonsense, but perhaps they live in comfort. Perhaps there's a lot of idolatry in your church. Paul was adamant that leaders, they need to work hard for what they've earned. And they're not to take for granted what they have. And they're not to think that because they worked there or they started something that they're entitled to take whatever they want. No, they're not to covet the things that they gain in ministry. They're to use the resources that God has given them to advance the message of Jesus Christ. Again, who gave us the spirit so he can guide, instruct, and convict us who has called us to be overseers, he says here in this passage, but also knowing that Jesus purchased us from his death and resurrection, not pastors. So that's important, you guys. And that's why in the end, he says, like he, he kind of summarizes the phrase of Jesus 
And he closed with this by saying, it's better to give than to receive. In Luke 6, 38, it says, give and it will be given to you. And, and, and so it's, it's a formulaic way of just be reminded, you guys, to serve people without getting something in return. And in the end, Luke closes with this heartfelt, heavy-heartedness, if you will, between Paul and these elders. He poured into him like a father figure and sends them back out there knowing there's ravenous wolves. And again, not too long from here, from this point on, Paul's going to be arrested and he'll be brought before uh, the tribunal and then he'll go before the Sanhedrin and then he'll go under house arrest. And it's never going to be the same for Paul, you guys. He knew that was coming and he was willing to risk it all. So at the end of the day, that is the sign, my friends, of a true pastor, a true shepherd of God. So I pray that encourages you guys. I pray that as you look through this passage, look at your leaders that are in your life, your spiritual leaders, and ask yourself, are they following this exhortation that Paul lays out to the church, the elders and the churches of Ephesus? And if you're called in ministry, if you're serving in ministry, are you paying close attention to your own life? Are you taking a self-inventory of your own life to make sure that your intentions are honorable to the Lord? So be blessed, be encouraged, continue, my friends, to stand strong in your faith. And again, as a reminder, all of you guys, if you love these videos, if you're, if you're listening to this right now, you can go to YouTube, you can subscribe to my channel, Jason P. Jimenez, and we would love to interact with you guys. We're putting out content of all sorts of things about theology, apologetics, growing you in your faith, talking about some of my books, answering your questions. So make sure you guys go to YouTube and you can you subscribe to the channel, like the video, share the video, and make sure that you continue to tell people about the great work that God is doing here on this podcast through YouTube and other platforms because we want to get the Word of God in the hands of as many people as possible. The amazing thing is, as I close, I want to tell you this. We have hundreds of thousands of downloads of this podcast around the world. And we want this to continue to grow in 2021. And so if you want to give and support the work we're doing and you've never done it before and you've benefited from this ministry and you want other people like you to benefit, please, would you prayerfully consider going to standstrongministries.org, click on the word donate right there, that tab and give whatever you feel God has called you to give. So thank you, my friends, for listening, for watching. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for joining me to just explore the richness of God's word. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.